0: Welcome to The Creationist, a podcast about people who create. I'm your host, Steve Waxman. Well, we made it. It's episode 50 of The Creationist. You know, when I started this podcast, I had no idea whether anyone would listen or how far I'd be able to take it. And yet, here we are, episode 50. For this episode, I reached out to an old friend, Jeff Woods, to talk about his longtime love affair of writing and telling stories to turn people on to all the things that he loves in life. There might be many of you listening who instantly recognize Jeff's voice from his days at rock radio and hosting his syndicated Legends of Classic Rock Radio program. Most people think of Jeff as the guy with those amazing pipes, but as we discuss in this episode, there are a great many people who underestimate Jeff's talents, not the least of which is writing. Anyone who's read Jeff's book, Radio Records and Rock Stars, can already attest to his talent as a writer. It really is a fun read. And as you'll hear from our conversation, Jeff is passionate about many things in life. After leaving radio, he continued to turn people on to music with his Radio and Records podcast. On his Instagram, he shares his passion for music, art, motorcycles, and beautiful women. Which brings us to his latest project. As host of the Blue Hotel podcast, Jeff interviews a different guest each episode to talk about life, love, and sexuality. And then he ends the conversation with a self-penned story. Jeff's talent as a writer is why I asked him to be the 50th creationist.
1: When I was, Steve, when I was um, grade three in school, public school, um, my mom reminds me of this once in a while. She's still alive she says remember mrs briggs i said how could i forget her purple dress and her long hair and her geeky uh, buddy holly glasses she was a lovely teacher uh, english was her specialty and she told my mom and dad that i had a great sense of fiction writing and that i would be a writer one day like a real writer like a paid writer wow. and they they hung on to that and i sort of hung on to it thinking i would become a journalist and then one day Grade 9, 10, high school, I realized that the most obvious path, as I saw it as, uh, you know, <laughs> someone who didn't know a lot about a lot of things, uh, you, you'd have to go work for a newspaper. Um, and that's, that was journalism to me. And I saw the news seemed to be bad, largely. So I didn't want to do that. So we'll come back to that. But writing was was a passion as a kid, and it was mostly fiction then, and mostly nonfiction now, except for as you alluded to more recently, the Blue Hotel erotic stories that we'll get into a little bit if you like.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's get let's talk about Blue Hotel. Let's get right into it because I think that mm-hmm. um, I, I think that it's two things that perhaps people haven't gotten turned on to it quite yet. As much as people, as much as people know you as the classic rock guy, I don't know if they've, you know, I don't know how many of them have gotten turned on to the Blue Hotel yet. And let's first talk about what what prompted you to start the Blue Hotel podcast.
1: Well, Steve, you know, dealing dealing in I'm a dealer, I'm a dealer of rock music, Um, being a record label guy part of my life, but mostly being in radio and mostly being in radio for one reason, the music, the artists, the celebration of the music. I was never meant to be a critic. I was never meant to be a, um, a comedian. I was always meant to play records and, uh, play things for people I thought they maybe hadn't heard before and might be exposed to or, um, or wanted to hear again, <laughs> Classic rock got a little boring, so I've stretched that out into uh into all kinds of music. But the Blue Hotel was a an area of interest. I think it stems from Steve being a kid and being fascinated. I'll be truthful, I was fascinated by the erotic. I was fascinated by magazines. I mean, it started with Playboy and then <laughs> as cliche as it sounds, I read playboy other than the politics i didn't care so much about that i cared about the social issues i cared about the sexuality of it i cared about the images i always have and as a kid that was everything to me that and music i'd never really explored the blue hotel content which is really eroticism and relationships until last summer you know, summer of 2022 when a light bulb went off. And I, and I thought, "What am, to your point earlier, what am I really passionate about? It's clear that I'm passionate about music and I'll always have my hand in that professionally and personally. What else am I passionate about? Well, motorcycles, but that's more of a, a thing to do, a pastime, a hobby, a spare time thing. What else am I passionate about? Well, the <laughs> erotic. So the Blue Hotel was born because the podcast for records and rock stars, the music one, was doing well. So I kind of know how to do that, both in how to structure a show and in how to put it out there and promote it. But I thought, how can I take the erotic and and take my life in relationships, my my growth or my desire to grow? continue to grow till the day I die and have more and more successful relationships, not only romantic ones, but ones with friends and family. And how can I parlay that into some sort of a new bit of a career? So the blue hotel was born and, uh, spoke to a few people, mentors as it were, what do you think? And they're like, well, it certainly sounds like you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then I thought, well, I can write some stories which I'd been doing for a couple of years, exercising that muscle, writing fiction, largely, about uh, scenarios that people find themselves in. Guy meets girl, girl meets guy, guy meets guy, girl meets girl. Guys meet girls. What do they do together? All kinds of things, as you've uh, discovered by listening (laughs) through the last 18 episodes These episodes climax after I talk to a professional in the industry of relationships. Uh, They climax with a a shortish story, 10 to 20 minutes of of a scenario. Um, (laughs) And they're pretty steamy. I mean, I sent you uh, uh, some promos, which are the clean ones that people could actually play on the radio, Um, but they get way off. (laughs) They go way more offside as it were, offside being a positive from where I'm sitting they get really uh they get really juicy and really steamy and uh, and there's sort of no barriers and no bounds. I love writing them. I get excited sitting here writing them because you know you're creating something out of nothing, which is you know what you are all about with your podcast.
0: Well I just think one of the things that people, need to understand with regards to terrific writing is that it evokes something and certainly when you are writing erotica that is kind of it, i mean human beings are sexual and that is kind of the i guess the ultimate in writing is if you can get quote unquote arise from somebody from just the written word then you have you are a very successful writer and i think that you know everybody obviously would um react to different pieces of writing different ways but i think certainly what you know a lot of what you have written has been very effective
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's, it's 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 truly a work in progress i mean during covid i'm not even exactly sure how i started down the road of writing erotica but it was during covid and I, I set up an OnlyFans page, which is no longer there, as a sort of a testing ground. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one though, because you're asking people for money to uh, to 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 you know discover your content and to check it out and to try it. But there was a sort of a uh, a free you know you could set it up any way you want. So I set it up as a five day or a seven day trial. Check it out, and if you like it, pay for it. Pay seven dollars a month or whatever it was so I probably had a few hundred people check it out for free but then I started getting people paying for it so that I knew maybe I was on the right track and it was more of a testing ground than anything thinking well down the road I'll do a an audiobook of erotica um, because a lot of this content you, you can't put on the radio but you can put in a podcast at least and you can put on only fans so I tested it out and some of it was pretty good according to the people's reaction. Um, I got a few comments saying, this is good, don't stop. Um, But I still feel like, in all of my work, in everything that I do, that I'm just, I'm working towards being good. I'm glad that you think it's good, because, uh, well, there's one story that people seem to really respond to, and I think maybe the reason is, it's not only extremely steamy when you get to the steamy part, it's also like real life, like relationships, not like old porn where there's, you know, bad acting and there's a knock at the door and the pizza delivery guy or the cable installer is like, hello, ma'am. And then, you know, they bad act their way into being naked and and they have sex. I, I wanted to make it more believable. So I tried to write stories that seemed like books that turned into, you know, pornographic books. Erotic books where people made love, people fucked, and people, you know, went completely out of their minds for one another. The why, the how, the sounds, the, the sights, all of it. And uh, and I really do enjoy doing these. That story that I'm speaking of is called Summer of Love. Mm-hmm. I forget what episode it's in, but it's all there at, you know, bluehotelpodcast.com. And, and it's a sexy story because it's about a woman who's uh, divorced with kids, and there's a, instructing, a, a sailing instructing college student that had taught her kids, and she's back, and he's back from school, and they're at the beach, and they meet up, and he always had a thing for her, but he was too young for her, and now he's a little older, and they have this real great connection, and it leads to uh, a walk up the stairs in their bathing suits. And, uh, and I'm turned on by it, just thinking about it. So it seems to be connecting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you at all uh, self-conscious about what you were writing at any point?
1: I was. Um, and, and then, you know, at my age, in my 50s, uh, I got to the point. I, I hate the expression, Steve, uh, no fucks given, because I do give a fuck. But I get the expression, if the, if, if the intention with that is, and I think it is with a lot of people, listen, be you, do you, um, live your life, it's your one life, don't be so concerned about appearances and don't be so concerned about the detractors and the critics, just do the thing that's in you to do. So I sort of shed that, it wasn't shame, it was fear. I shed that fear that it wasn't going to be, A, good enough. It was going to be too blue. It was going to be too whatever the things that critics would call it. I just didn't give a shit anymore. (laughs) I'm enjoying doing it. That's all that really matters. It's like musicians, right? Um, I mean, Getty and Alex and all the great musicians we've ever talked to, they always have this commonality, that is, do What turns you on? Do what's in you. Don't think about the audience so much. I mean, you want an audience, but the way to get an audience is to be authentic, do the thing, put it out there and keep doing it. Be persistent about it and the audience will grow. So that's kind of where my head's at with it.
0: Yeah. You know, this idea of don't give a fuck doesn't just apply, obviously, to what you're doing, as you say it applies to musicians. I think it applies to anybody that's doing anything creative that you can't be afraid to fail so that you can at least learn how to move on past that failure and be better.
1: That's precisely it. This is something I love is the the idea that and I'm I'm, I'm so glad the universe provides it as a meme <laughs> every third day on you know Instagram or Facebook or wherever. That says, just when you were ready, just when you're ready to give up, it was about to work or it was about to happen. And I keep reminding myself of that because there are weeks when I think, does anyone care? I mean, the downloads are, you know, in the thousands and that's kind of encouraging for a new thing. Mm -hmm. But, but then you see, you know, you see other people that are like a million followers and two million downloads. And when you compare yourself to the greatest, there's a little value in that what are they doing that's so great and how can i you know borrow from that but there's a real downside to it because well the thief of joy is comparison you you have to go at your own pace and to the best of your own ability and you have to be persistent so you know silly me you start something in september and you expect by december you know three months later it to be a huge runaway success um how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's another silly cliche, but it's kind of true. Just keep doing the thing. Keep writing the dirty stories. Just keep keep. Speak- <laughs> keep yeah. speaking to professionals in the relationship game. Because that's really the bulk of the uh, the episodes. I usually speak to, to people for about an hour. And then, as I always say, I climax with one of these stories. It lasts about 15 minutes. So
0: i want to I want to get back to all of Blue Hotel, but with I'll stick with the stories for a second. when you start when you sit down to write a story, do you what part of the story do you have in your mind that gets you started in writing?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's usually
0: it's usually.
1: Something someone said in real time, in real life, in my life, it was a relationship. I don't know if you know this. You might have noticed. I've had a few relationships over time, romantic ones. I've had a lot of marriages. People say, what do you mean a lot? Is that a joke? No, I've, I've been married four times and engaged five. And I think I, there's still one more in me, one that'll last till, you know, my last breath. I really believe that. <laughs> Hopeless romantic? No, I'm a hopeful romantic. Um, it's usually something someone said or something I did with someone is the launch pad to a story, and, and then I don't make it all about me. But there's, you know, they say in fiction, you know, there's always some truth, some real life. That's what usually starts it. And then, you know, I change the name to protect the guilty, and I, and I, and I, I go off... Um, on something real and and make it truly fictitious in the long run. That's what starts it. Um, Something that happened and expand upon that in a way that, I don't know, (laughs) it's it's kind of a a fantasy world. You're like, what am I thinking about? What would I like to happen? What hasn't happened yet in my life? And you start creating these stories. It's almost, what's the word, um, manifestation perhaps? Mm-hmm. the big part of it I don't you get carried away and 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 it's fun to get carried away in your imagination and so that's what I do
0: Tony when I um w- I think when I first when I did my first interview for the podcast it was with Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo and I think I think the question that I asked him whether or not it's in the episode I don't remember but um asked him, how do you know when you're finished
1: mm yeah well Yeah, usually the climax of the podcast does end with a climax. Let me tell you a funny story as it relates to that. I was walking through Blue Mountain Village, 20 minutes from where I live in Thornbury, and I saw an associate that works in the entertainment business, and she said, how are you? I said, great, nice to see you, you know, small talk. And she said, what's happening? And I said, things are going well. She goes, with work? I said, yeah, Records and Rockstars podcast is charting quite well around the world, and and she goes, I re we she because she had a boyfriend, still does, she married him. We really like the other podcast <laughs> with the other work. It actually, wasn't a podcast yet. It was the stories I told you about that I sort of started out doing for OnlyFans, and so she was one of the people that went on there and subscribed, and she and her husband to be would. Late in the evening, lay in bed together and listen, and uh, and fifteen minutes later, we'd all finish. Apparently, uh, but she really, I was, I was a pleased that she, you know, let me know that this content was working for them, and it was super encouraging. So I guess that was part of the, you know, inspiration to actually make it into something bigger and do a full blown
0: podcast. So <laughs> let's talk about the guests a little bit. Did mm-hmm. you? How are you finding people? And when you, when you were starting the podcast, did you have a an initial list of people that you were going after? You
1: know, I had a list of one. <laughs> That's all it takes. Start with one. Uh, Laura Desiree is a woman. How did I meet Laura? On Instagram, she's a wonderfully um, intelligent and beautiful, um, big-brained a woman from Toronto originally lives in New York city, mostly she had a role on naked news. Uh, she's a performer. She does uh, cam four is a company on which she interacts with fans. Um, she also does burlesque performances in Toronto and New York city. Uh, her, the, 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 aside is her dad was a program director in, in radio and, uh, And I found that out through conversation with her. So we weren't so much flirting on Instagram as we were just commenting on one another's content. She has a twin sister, and they were on a trip to San Francisco. And so we were communicating back and forth about her travels. And we kept this up her whole trip. It was really lovely. And then when she got back, she said, I don't know how it came to be, but I picked her up at the airport and I drove her home. And it was never anything more than a friendship, which was kind of rare and cool she brought me back a gift from frisco and uh, and then we kept in touch and i liked her sensibility around um shame free sexuality and and she was kind of probably the greatest inspiration to do the blue hotel podcast in the first place so when i you know got serious about it in the summer of 2022 i called her and we did a call as such a little uh, discovery call about what I wanted to do and what she thought of it. And she said, because you are one of the letters in LGBTQ, Jeff, this is perfect for you. And because you're so hopefully romantic, that's another positive for you. You're not jaded and you're not negative and you're not critical of relationships as an entity. So she encouraged me to do it. So the Blue Hotel was born and I said, would you be my first guest? And she said, "Absolutely." And so, in September, I think it was the first day of fall, we launched it. And she spoke of her—I God, I hate when people say journey, but she'd probably say journey—her journey as a as a as a teenager or maybe early twenties who you know headed for New York City to find herself. And did she ever find herself? Just to there's fireworks coming out of her head, as they say. And so she's guest number one, and I think you'll find her incredibly articulate, charming, and uh, and forthcoming about sexuality. One of the key things she talked about, Steve, is how everyone's into meditation, and I think it's a wonderful thing, and so does she. But she talks about masturbation as her meditation, and uh, there's great validity to it. And the way she explains it's
0: quite wonderful. Episode one that's wonderful you know i i do i do have to admit that I, I i'm actually i'm clearly i'm uncomfortable saying what i'm about to say even though it's not that uncomfortable thing it is a little bit awkward for me listening to the episodes knowing you
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you do be in a completely different context for starters exactly yeah.
0: You you, you
1: were running publicity for a major record label and largely I was, um, you know, programming music on radio stations, right?
0: Yeah. You know, knowing you as a writer, though, I I... Okay. Knowing you as a writer, I think, begins with your book. Though now I think I have a better appreciation for how much you probably were writing as a programmer and as a broadcaster when you were presenting your classic you know your classic rock um, shows because obviously you had to do the research, you had to write yourself a script and as wonderful as those shows were, you have just a wonderful way of presenting that just feels as though you are talking. So, since you don't stumble over your words, clearly, it's <laughs> stuff that has been thought out and written down. But I think that, again, there's been a number of people that we both know who have written books about their lives on the fringes of the music industry. And usually, they, with all due respect, most are not that good. Yours was very entertaining and easy to read and as illustrative and colorful as the blue hotel erotica that you're writing and you. so i think that's why i wanted to bring you on the creationist to talk about you as a writer as opposed to a talker because i think that you do you you have this talent that i again i i said before you're underestimated for this particular talent. I think people don't think of you this way. And I think that they, I I wanted to showcase that they should be thinking of you this way, that you have this talent as a writer that people need to take heed of. Well, thank you
1: again. It's kind of you to point out. And I think that maybe part of the reason, you know, to your point about being underestimated He's the rock guy. He's the guy at the rock station that plays the Led Zeppelin. And 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 you know that's not that exciting in the music industry because Led Zeppelin were discovered, you know, in 1968. <laughs> Things have come a long way since then. Um so people are more current in their uh in sort of their headspace and and we can get pigeonholed as being because, you know, classic rock became this huge format and I became, uh, you know, a major player in that you know, industry and format. So people think of me in that way. So I stepped out of it, to your point. What I said earlier about doing things and not so much thinking about the audience, that's only to a certain point, And it relates to what you're saying about writing. I went to a publisher uh, who published books for the Rush drummer Neil Peart. He has many books. And I, and I talked to them about getting a publishing deal. After already turning down a different publishing company because they just wanted me for my music, I wanted to do more than that. Mm-hmm. So I went to this new publisher, not new, but new to me. And they said, well, what's your idea for a book? Uh, and, and Radio Records and Rockstars has been out since 2016. It's done very well. It's mostly about music. Uh, but at that time, my idea was, well, I've got interviews with artists and I'm going to publish them. And they said, "But what more are you bringing to the table? Because there's lots of books out there with interviews with bands." And I thought, "Yeah, you're right." And I walked away and thought more about it. My partner at the time, the great Lori D'Agostino, who worked for Feldman as an agent and now is a great, you know, worldwide event planner, she said, "Jeff, the the your time in the business of music is wonderful. Put all of that in there chronologically." but maybe um, alternate between those interviews and those stories with stories from your own life, which has been rather colorful, as she put it. And she said, the key here is be completely authentic. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Say it all. Say who you are. Put it all on the table. That's when my writing flourished because what content do you know better than the story of your life? And if you had an interesting life... It can be an interesting story. I learned how to write by writing a book, you know, and a great editor doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote every word in there myself, but she, you know, helped, you know, structure the thing to make it a little more um, palatable, a little more readable. So people do find it to be a really easy read. 400 pages goes down pretty quickly. I just love the written word more than anything. I love words, to put it, you know, in George Carlin terms. I'm fascinated. There's not a day that goes by that I don't Google a word to get the right context for conversation or for a post on social media. I I think that I'll be doing that till my last breath, Um, be fascinated by words and how to string them together to be more compelling and to be you know to seem more intelligent
0: <laughs> as a as a good writer what you have done is taken some simple stories and created a world around them and i think that that's really fantastic
1: thank you you know what a you know what a key um component of my ability to do how i do what i do is a great memory I remember details in vivid color. I remember dates, places, people's names. Um, But you know, what? as I get older, memory isn't as good as it used to be. What I do frequently in the evening is when I do have a thought, or even when I get out of the shower, because the shower is such a breeding ground for good ideas, it it, it seems to me, I, I send myself emails all the time with recollections, with memories, with ideas, with quotes, with words, with phrases, with titles every day. I probably send myself 10 things and then I go back and collect them and try to make sense of them and they become the next thing, whether it's erotica or whether it's music or whether it's whatever it is, it's just right. to remind yourself. It's like creating lists. It's like having a journal as it were, but, uh, but electronically. So that helps. It's really the prep. It's the research. It's the, what am I writing about? Well, let's collect up all these pieces of paper and see what comes out of it. I do that all the time.
0: So I want to move over to music a little bit here, because I think that one of the things that's really interesting is you've gone from turning people on to the music that they already know and love to turning people on to indie artists that you're discovering. And how how is that world working out for you? Do you feel do you feel it's a, a different muscle that you're using, or do you just feel that it's just you and your music appreciation trying to let people know what's going on in the world?
1: It's a bit of both, Steve. You know, when I think about it, there's great differences because for people who don't know, my thing before when artists released new records and generally large artists, ones that you worked with at Warner and ones on the major labels, when they put out records, whether it's page and plan or the Rolling Stones or Pink Floyd or, you know, down and down the list, they would have an album release coming and I would go and do an album release interview special in New York or LA or London or wherever, in Toronto sometimes. And that was what I did for the better part of 20 years. And then, you know, those artists aren't putting out albums like they used to. No one is, you know, because there's not a business in it like there used to be. Touring's the game now more than anything. And people that are putting out records aren't making a ton of money off them, but they're they're still creative and want to put them out, and then they go and do shows around them. So that's where I come in. It's not with Eric Clapton and with Jimmy Page, but it's with Miss Emily, and it's with Maddie Leon, and it's with Jake Chisholm, and it's with any number of artists largely from Toronto and area who have something really creative that they've laid down in the studio and they are touring and they do want to talk about it. And I am there to help spread the word shine a light as it were, which has always been my thing, as I mentioned. So it's, it's kind of the same muscle because you're showing them respect and regard by researching what they've done, listening to their music, reading their press, coming up with questions, inviting them to your space, recording them. The best part about it, though, Steve, is that when I did those flyaways, nobody really played. They just talked. It was an interview, and then we played the recorded songs off the record, which was great and a wonderful entity. But I have a prerequisite for people who come to my studio. They have to bring a guitar, or I supply one or a piano, or I supply one, or whatever it is they play. They can sing a cappella for all I care, and some do. And they have to do a couple of the songs, at least, off the record, live, in person, the acoustic thing, or electric. You know, I've got amps all over the place here. And so it it becomes this uh, multimedia special where there's live song, conversation, song from the record, and it turns into a traditional album special, an hour long. The story of you. Miss Emily uh, picked up a resonator guitar I have hanging behind me on the wall, tuned it up in two seconds, and and, and she sang and played, and it was strikingly beautiful. And then we threw to records, you know, live records and her her um, Juno-winning studio record, and and we just talked, and it was wonderful. And it was as wonderful, I have to tell you, as speaking to David Bowie or Keith Richards in that she was fascinating. And she was talented, and she played live, and we connected uh, intellectually and, uh, and certainly sonically because I loved the what she, you know, sang. It's still really fun doing that stuff. It may not be as glitzy as uh, the new album by, you know, Green Day or whatever, but it's still, it's still the same muscles and it's still the same fun for me to expose these talented people who are passionate and who are creating.
0: Jeff Woods turns you on to music and sex and motorcycles. What else, what's the next conversation you want to have with people? What's the next, Is what else do you want to do? Where else do you want to go
1: creatively? You know, thank you for asking. I'm an advocate for the underdog. I always have been. And so I'm doing more and more things out of the house that uh, are representative of that. I just got hired this morning to do an open stage in the summertime at uh, in Collingwood, Ontario uh, for Pride Week. And then um, I'm going to invite people up onto the stage to sing or dance or play or talk or do whatever it is they want that you could do on an open mic stage. And so I'm curating that. I want to give people uh, a spotlight in person to um, expose who they are creatively. So I like to curate. I like to host. Um, Ultimately, I like to uh, help prop people up and make them feel better about what it is they do. So that's a big part of what I do, Uh, other than writing. You know, music and motorcycles and the erotic, that's a lot. That fills a whole day. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I like hosting uh, weddings, parties, anything. You know, I do a lot of MC work and stuff. And there's creativity in everything we do. People are often say, Oh, I'm not creative. I'm like, yes, you are. What you choose to put on your back in the morning and go to wherever it is you're going to work, um, what you cook, how you cook, how you speak, all the things you do in a day show uh, a certain amount of your own creativity. And we all have it. We don't have to be entertainers as such to be a creative in our lives. So, um, but, but to your point, what am I doing? What do I want to do next? I want to get better at what I'm doing cuz the blue hotel's so new. Um and and I want to get more guests that are super compelling because I like asking the questions. I mean, I like learning. I guess that's at the that's at the heart of everything I do is I want to know. I want to I want to hear what you have to say so that I know more things about things. I want to be enlightened. And I'd rather be cuz I'm a bit lazy. Rather than read the book, I want you to tell me. Tell me a story. Tell me what you know. So I have a ton of therapists on the podcast, and they know a lot of things. One I had on recently, Lisa Peltier, has been in the sex business since she's a teenager. She went to her parents at 17 and said, I know what I want to do for a living. And they're like, what? They're probably hoping, well, she'll be a nurse, or she'll be a this, or she'll be a that. Um, She said, I want to be a sex therapist. At 17, she knew. So she ended up meeting Masters and Johnson at the top of their game in the industry. And she went on to do all of her studying and all of her schooling and became a a sex therapist. So you can imagine the insight this woman would have after decades in the business. And I want her to tell me. So I get people to tell me their their story and their insight. And that makes me happy in a day.
0: I hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Creationist. If you want to find out more about all that Jeff Woods does, including links to his podcast and his book, try reaching out to jeffwoodsradio.com. If you're new to The Creationist, please check out previous episodes and give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. And we always appreciate reviews and ratings. I'm Steve Waxman, and I created this podcast. (laughs)